I'm going to declare that this morning. This is what the cross did for us. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Father, we thank you for the word. May the word impact us, change us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. seem a little closer to home, doesn't it? When you look at the cross in reference or in lieu of or in, in a setting of the today and now, what I want us to talk about this morning is how the cross affects you today. And we go back 2,000 years, we look at the events of the cross, but we're going to bring them up to our current, uh, our current situation, our current day today, because today is the day of salvation, right? And so today I want us to look at Colossians 2, but before we get there, we're going to look at Luke 19. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 19. Uh, there's a there's a, an, a, an a ageless story there about this man named Zacchaeus. And how many kids in here know that song about Zacchaeus? Raise your hand if you're a child over 30. Okay. See, the little kids, they've learned the new hip-hop version of that, I've been told. I'm not going to try to do it. I tried it in the first. Uh, yeah. Zacchaeus, come down. Come on. Come on. Get on down out that tree. Something like that. I love playing with the microphone. If they'd only invented Mr. Microphone when I was a kid. Yeah. All right. How many of you know that song? Raise your hand. Sing it with me. Zacchaeus was wee little man. Wee little man was he. Come on, do the motions. He climbed in the sycamore tree for the Lord to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Oh, Oliver family wasn't singing. 
So, y'all want the whole library? Y'all want to come up? No? no? We, we don't want that? Okay. I just looked over everybody singing music and all of our family. They like the other version better. Okay. Boom, chicka, boom. All right, Luke 19. Why did I actually, why did we actually sing that song? Well, I'm going to tell you in just a second. Jesus entered, passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was what? Rich, wealthy, man, he had it all. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. Say short. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. Now, how many of you have ever gone to a parade before and you got there early so you could get a good seat? Okay. You want to get a position where you can see the parade. Now, how many of you have ever been to a parade before and some big burly guy was standing in front of you and you couldn't see nothing? Unless it was your daddy and he let you climb up on his shoulders. All right. I kind of envisioned that as Zacchaeus was going... I've heard he's coming. What streets he coming down? Well, I think he's coming down Concho Street. Okay, I better go get and find a tree that I can climb up and so I can see him. So he found a tree and he climbed up to see Jesus because he couldn't see. He was a very short guy. But he's a very wealthy guy. And so when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him. He saw Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. Say today. Okay, he said, today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. But when they saw it, that's the religious people. When they saw it, they all complained saying, he is going to be the guest with a man who is a sinner. Wow. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I have give half of my goods to the poor. And if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. See, he was like a bad IRS dude. He was cheating people out of their taxes. He was putting undue burdens on people. And when Jesus came into his life, everything changed. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation, say today salvation, has come to this house because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus came to do, right? You see, on that day, Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus, but not many chapters later, Jesus climbed up on a tree, the cross, for everybody to see him. Everybody. John 12, 32 says, And if I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. That was Jesus speaking of being lifted up on the cross, that all people might be drawn to him. He came and seek and save that which was lost. Were you lost? Yes, he came to seek you and find you. Zacchaeus, salvation came to Zacchaeus. And I want us to look at verse 6. Go back to verse 6. I want you to see something very important that the Lord showed me this week. So he, Zacchaeus, made haste and came down. This was his salvation moment. This was his salvation moment. He was elevated. Listen, when he climbed up on the tree, he was above Jesus, wasn't he? So he could look down. Jesus had to look up to see him. And he climbed up in the tree. And when Jesus called his name, what did Zacchaeus do? He came down out of the tree. He had to humble himself to come down to meet Jesus Christ. And when he came down from that tree and humbled himself to meet Jesus Christ, it said he received him, how? Joyfully. Now I want you to see something. There's something else that's really cool about this story. You're thinking, well, he's not in Colossians yet. Well, this is the appetizer. Okay, this is the appetizer. Anybody, when you go out, anybody ever get an appetizer like some onion rings? 
Yeah. Only when you got a little extra money, that's when you get the appetizer, right? So you're getting the appetizer this morning. I looked up Zacchaeus' name. You know what his name means? It does not mean cheat. It does not mean tax collector. It means pure. P-U-R-E. You know what's interesting about that? God already knew his name. When he was doing all of his bad things, God knew his name was pure. And when he saw him, when Jesus saw him in that tree, he said, hey, pure, come on down. See, he sees you. We talked about this last week. He knows your name. When my mother named me, I asked my mother when, when I got older, because I didn't like my name, because that was when Bill Cosby came out with the cartoon, you know, and there was old weird Harold, Fat Albert. <laughs> anything worse than being a Harold was Albert. Hey, it's Fat Albert time. <laughs> See, I love the microphone. I, but weird Harold, my mom, why'd you, why'd you name me Harold? Where'd you get that name? I mean, tell me it was a, like some great uncle or grandfather or somebody that was, you know, somebody great in the war and something, you know. Tell me. She said, well, I found it in the phone book. <laughs> I said, well, what does it mean? She said, I don't know. I just like the name. I said, okay. Thank you, Mom. So I looked it up one day. And this before I was a pastor, before I was doing any kind of leadership with people. It means leader. It means a leader. See, God knew who I was going to be before I knew who I was going to be. But he knows you. He knows who you're going to be before, you're gonna, who, before you might ever realize what you're going to be or who you're going to be. He's already given you a name. I encourage you to find out what your name means. Many of you know what your name means. Some of you don't. It's real simple nowadays. You, got, you can get on the Internet. What's the meaning of your name? Zacchaeus means pure. Salvation came to his house that day that he looked, that he climbed down out of the tree, and he let Jesus come to his house. See, salvation is when you let Jesus come to your house. We are the temple of God. Say, I'm the temple. So you're a house. And where does he take up residence? In the house. Isn't that, isn't that cool? That's just the appetizer. Now turn to Colossians chapter 2. Because I thought, well, we want to talk about today. And today, salvation came to Zacchaeus' house. There might be somebody in here this, this morning that salvation needs to come to your house. You may have it, but somebody else in your house might not have it. We're going to start with verse 6. And I want to break down the verses as we go. Try to get through these quickly so you can go get some onion rings somewhere. The healthy kind. That there has not yet been made. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord. So stop right there. Paul is talking to the who? The church. He's talking to people that already have believed. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. In other words, have a lifestyle that pleases God. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. That has the idea of, the, of roots that go deep in your faith in the foundation of Jesus Christ so we can grow up. He wants us to be established. He wants us to be rooted. But he also wants us to grow up. And we grow up when we're rooted and established in faith, not in fear. Okay? As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. God always asks us to be thankful people. When we thank him, listen, it just started some drops of rain this morning. We need to thank him for the, the, the drops. I even mentioned it this morning. I don't know what people thought about it, but we can actually thank him for the drought. 
Because if we don't know, we, if we don't know what it is to have much if we don't know what it is to have nothing. Okay? You don't even know what joy is unless you've got sorrow. So these seasons in our life, we need to be, the Bible says to be thankful in all things. In all things. Because God can turn what looks like something bad into something glorious. And when he does that, he gets the glory for it. Then verse 8, he says, beware. Paul says, beware. So what, what do you kids think of when you see a sign that says beware? What is usually after that? Of cats? Cats? Dog? Cat? No, dogs. Yeah, like little chihuahuas. Yeah, that's, you know, beware of dogs usually. Why do they have that sign? Because that dog might, he might bite you. He might be a nice dog, except he might be a guard dog. And he might bite you. So they have this. So when Paul puts up a sign in, his, in, the, in this word, he's given the church there. He says, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, you've heard it said a lot of times, because we're talking about philosophy and deceit in a minute. You've heard it said a lot of times, it's usually related to the FBI and, and a dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill. To know what a, the counterfeit is, you really need to study the real, right? They, they don't teach them to study the counterfeit. They teach them to study the real hundred dollar bill or whatever that dollar bill is that they want them to study. I want to tell you that applies to all things in life. If you really want to know what's real, study what's real. Get involved with what's real. Know what's, what, what is real. And when, it's to, when we're talking about the Word of God, know the Word of God. Because when somebody comes and tries to throw in the mixture and make it and, and throw in error, you will immediately know it by the, by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. And he said, beware lest anyone cheat you. He took it very seriously that what people were doing was trying to bring a mix into what the, the, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see this mixture much in our society today and in churches today. I remember going to a church and the pastor preached on smorgasbord Christianity. We'll take a little of this. We'll take a little of Buddha. We'll take a little of Allah. We'll take a little bit of Jesus. We'll take a little bit of this. And we'll put it all together and shake it up. And man, it'll come out and be so good. And it'll make everybody happy. No, nobody will be angry because everybody's covered. And my Bible says there's only one way to, to heaven. There's only one way, and that's Jesus Christ. So when you start going to something else, you bring in a mixture, and that is empty deceit, and that's philosophy, and that's traditions of men. But it goes further than that, I believe, in this passage, in this context of this scripture. I believe he's talking more so, not just about that, mixing other religions, but he's also talking about mixing the law and grace. (laughs) He's talking about mixing the law and mixing grace, and we're going to talk about that as we move forward, okay? Verse 9. For in him, Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Say, I am complete in him. Was Zacchaeus complete in him? Yes, he was. Did Zacchaeus necessarily know it? No, he didn't. He came to his house and he said, I'm going to make you complete. You're going to be alive with me. When Jesus came into your life, when you climbed down off your high horse, out of your tree, humbled yourself, and asked him to come in, he completed you that moment. That's good. Oh, man, cool. And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He's above, not below. We are seated where? With him. 
Where? In the heavenlies. Why? Because we're in Christ and he is in us. Where's Christ? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what? You can only understand that by the Spirit. It does make no sense in the flesh. That's why God did it that way. So we would have to trust him by faith and receive that. The only way we could be complete in God, I mean, be complete in Christ, is if Christ is deity. If he is God. We believe that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are God. Y'all understand that? Because that's a supernatural thing, too. You can't explain that. You know, I, I, was, I was a kid. They said, well, how do you explain the Trinity? Well, it's like water and ice and steam. You know, that's the best we can do. <laughs> We can't really explain the Trinity. It makes no sense to the, the, to the common sense. You know, God's not a God of common sense. We like to say he is, but he's not. He's way above that. He's not, a, I think Wes earlier said, or somebody said, you know, the supernatural is natural to God. So we need to move to that place in, in, in our thinking. And uh, so verse 11 says, In him, Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. By putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Who did the works? The working of who? The working of? The working of? Come on, come on with me. Now I know you got kids and you're trying to keep them quiet. That's okay if they make some noise. This little child here in the second row, what's his name? Gabriel. It was so cool. I thought, we have a cry room, and he ain't crying. He is, like, worshiping. <laughs> he was making a lot of noise during worship. I thought, that's cool. We shouldn't rush them off to the cry room if they're not crying. But if they're crying. <laughs> <laughs> this is family day, so I'm not going to go into a long thing about circumcision. I don't even like to talk about it. <laughs> it hurts to talk about it. So I'll leave that to parents to explain to the kids later. Well, son, <laughs> move on. <laughs> tell them it's this, and I'll tell them what it is. It's cutting away. It's the cutting away of something. <laughs> it sounded better in the first service. They didn't laugh. It's the, it's the cutting away of something, all right? So Acts 2, turn to Acts chapter 2. I want to explain it a little bit better. You see, Paul in this scripture is saying... I don't want you to require them to be circumcised, but I do require them to be baptized. I don't require circumcision. I require baptism. And that's what we do when you come and you invite Jesus in and you say yes and you repent, ask him into your heart. We do what the Bible says to do. We baptize you in water. We immerse you in water. As a, sign, as a symbolic act of your circumcision in your heart. Acts 2, 36 through 39. Peter got up and preached. He never preached before in his life. He preaches a sermon that God gives him. Holy Spirit downloads to him. He opens his mouth and he speaks. And many gives an invitation. 3,000 people get saved. But here, here's, what, here's what brought them to their invitation time. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's verse 36. Now, when they heard this, they were what? Cut to the heart. They were circumcised. There was a spiritual circumcision that took place at that moment. And he said and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Man, you're, when the sin is just cut away, then you go, well, what shall we do? And he said, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off. And we were afar off when this was spoken. But it's for us. It's for you today. As many as the Lord our God, God will call. I'm going to get back to the, the message. Back to verse 13 in Colossians 2. I want to tie all this together quickly. And you, being dead in your, transpress, in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Man, we need to stop there. Who's made us alive? Jesus has made us alive. You cannot make yourself alive. You can't go to church enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't do anything enough, fill in the blank enough. You can't go and 